Yeah, really? we, we lost a good hunk of it. Yeah, it was. And it was. Adam Herman was talking yeah. about being an architect or, or an arche archaeologist. Archaeologist, and about it was like the coolest thing. I'm like, what? Why, why did it shut out? It just kind of, it just glitched out. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what happens when you use a it 2005 is. computer. <laughs> Are you still using old G4s? Uh, I got a, a cheese grater. Cheese oh, grater. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's still old. That's oh, the yeah. same. This <laughs> is and, a cheese uh, grater. Pro, Pro Tools 10. Oh, you're way farther ahead oh, than we are. We're still on 8. Is it 8 or is it 7? We had 8. Maybe we went back to 7. We went back to yeah. 7 because it was more stable. <laughs> yeah. 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 So was it when we had switched to 8 that you had to redo the computer right at the beginning of one week live. I don't remember what. Yeah, it was like we missed like a whole a whole first set except for the last song. Yeah. Yeah, and you rebuilt the computer and then put a new operating system in, in and <laughs> reloaded Pro Tools. <laughs> yeah, it was Chris no Holly. Wasn't it somebody really good? Yeah, you ended up winning American Idol. <laughs> and that's the one and we missed? crashed and we missed it. Oh, my God. <laughs> the one that wasn't on the album is the one who went on to win American Idol. Uh, yeah, yeah, you played here when he had awkward silence when he was 15, and he was just blowing up and moved to New York. And and was this an early early one week live then? Yeah. Like, well, not mid, mid, uh, yeah, earlier. I would have been about 2008 maybe. Or, when, what's, the, what's the last year you did it? I don't know. Five, four, two thousand four. Because this computer is a two thousand five. Yeah. And it was like maybe a year old when we bought it. I don't remember. I, I was I was gonna try to do my work and see. I think and read the liner notes and remind <laughs> myself where, where we left off. Well, so twenty years. Yeah. It's almost twenty years. This will be twenty one. This will be volume twenty one that we're doing a week from today. Okay. Which is what? What are the dates and all that for that? What's all uh, the what's all the information that people might want to know about One Week Live Volume Twenty One? Well, this Volume Twenty One starts on October Sixteenth through the Twenty First. Lots of fun bands on that. Al Sparhawk's bringing in a secret project, yeah. and Row oh, Family yeah. Singers, and whole bunch. Woodline's gonna play with a DJ dubbing us out live on Monday, kicking it off. Torment have a little metal night, so lot lots of fun. What night's the metal night? Tuesday. Tuesday's the metal night. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Tuesdays always go hard, man. They shred. <laughs> Can be true. <laughs> it's going to be on One Week Live. Well, and y'all, yeah, what else are you doing on a Tuesday night? Yeah, you're not doing anything. Making pasta, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> John might be. He's been gardening a ton. Yeah, well, I'm mostly just trying to grow hot chili peppers. And mm. uh, this is, as I was saying earlier upstairs, this is the heartbreaking part of the year because... I have so many chilies that are just starting to turn red, and I'm realizing that the temperatures are not going to stay there for it. A lot of these peppers, they just really need a long growing season, okay. and we yeah. don't have it. Okay. Just, yeah. Most of the seeds I started were, I started them in late February, so they were already putting up little seedlings in March. And, and, and it's still not long enough. Wow. Well, I've been getting red peppers. Oh, you have? Oh, okay, okay. There's so many on the plants now that are just not going to make it. Mm. And it's just like, come on. Cover them up with a blankie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tuck them Put in. a blankie over them. They'll be okay. You a can blankie. Yeah. 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 Anything you got, just cover them up <laughs> Yeah, on a frosty Maybe night. not a Nipco heater. Yeah. So who here was on was there for the first one week live then? you Did you record the first ones? Well, Eric, way back, even before one week live, there was a radio station, The Bear, 
Yeah. And was it Kyle, the no. DJ Kyle? I used to bootleg CDs and tapes even. Like Mason Jennings, I have a bootleg on a tape <laughs> of Mason Jennings play here. And I, I had I started making this like best of the year off my bootlegs, and I gave him one. And he was like, this is so cool. We should do a, a, a live recording. And then somehow, I don't. Did it kind of start from that conversation? Yeah, totally. And then Eric got involved. I don't know if they must have asked you or I can't remember how, but that's when we did a first live recording. You brought in a split snake. We we split all the mic channels. And this this studio that we're in now was just a a bare bones basement with normal rafters and dungeon-y. And he brought in... A mi- like nothing overly special, and I think a ADAT recorder, an eight track. Maybe it was mine. I had an eight track ADAT, but you might have brought yeah. one. It was yeah. eight. It was only eight channels to mic up all sixteen. So, so you Eric, had to kind of do a premix. You Eric was down mix. here mixing, you know, drums to two tracks, and you <laughs> know, live, yeah, live. And then sometimes there'd be like an acoustic guitar, an electric guitar, and a violin, and he was mixing that to like two track stereo live for the live recording. That's where it started, and it was called Live at Beaners back then, mm-hmm. with with homegrown radio, and I have a, I'll, I'll have to take a photo of that. Mm-hmm. I have a the original art somewhere upstairs, I think, and uh, and Chris Monroe did the art, and and then it never came out. They made, they had this whole idea to to put out thousand you know a couple thousand copies, and then the radio station changed names and got bought up by a clear, clear something, wire or whatever. something happened yeah. i don't even know but it <laughs> never DJ happened was so i only have one <laughs> promotional copy of that album that was made and mixed and mastered and artwork and liner notes and it never came out and that that's what made one week live start the year after because i you know and then working with eric and learning that idea we did it again without being reliant on a, a an outside radio so station. So the next year, did you do the G4? Did you bring the Pro Tools system like the next year? Because you only did one or two years with the ADAT, right? Or I think the next year was still possibly ADAT too because I still have like old video. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> it's only 20 years ago. You yeah. should remember that. <laughs> I, I don't remember. We'll have to look in the archives and see what 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 tape it's on or if it's on a hard drive. So what that was 99 or 2000? I, that was probably 2002 I think was the first one week live volume 1. Okay. And Haley yeah. was on it and Eric Koskinen yeah, and Charlie because, Parr. Yeah, uh, because ADAC. Yep. I think. Yeah, in the early ones. Cuz I met when I met you, you had the little G4 set up here with the yeah. Pro Tools system and it was Eric sitting down here by himself in the yeah. dungeon. <laughs> With maybe a little space heater by him. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And the people would come down and just hang out with him because he's all lonely down here. Yeah. <laughs> but that was inspiring to me. It was like, wow, this is really cool because I always wanted to, you know, I was one of these pe- people that bought a cassette four-track recorder back in the 90s, you know, that were total crap. And then I come here and then here you guys are using Pro Tools and you got... 16 channels going off at once and it was like amazing to me it was really fun it was a really fun learning experience just hanging out with eric the first couple years and it was kind of inspired this whole studio actually yeah Yeah. super amazing and and it still is and and now it's kind of annoying that every modern board just has that built in just to take a recording out of it yeah and it does a pretty good job pretty good actually it's kind of a little frustrating they have pretty good preempts in them now for cheap (laughs) yeah 
Well, we never really said why we're here, I guess. Oh, yeah, I'm always really bad you, about do doing that. Do you edit that. this stuff? Do you oh, yeah. Of, okay, so. Yeah, no, it gets chopped up a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you put some effort into this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But, yeah, why are we here? Well, the, the whole podcast is always a question, why are we here? But th- this is, to me, the reason we're all here today is it, it is the reason One Week Live is here. It is the reason there's a studio below the cafe, and it's and it kind of just shows the whole path from the first live recording to now with some of the key key friends that have made it happen. Eric Swanson, John Craig, Dan Dresser. If it wasn't for these three people, none of these recordings would have ever happened. And also just my knowledge of sound and recording, because if Dan wouldn't have bought the G5 cheese grater and we did the <laughs> hoot owls upstairs, you know, right after he pulled it out of the box and it was like learned by fire. And Eric Swanson, I met him at RT Quinlan's when he was doing sound for me in 1995. And uh, he taught me my whole knowledge of how to set up a board, organize the stage, you know, gain staging, EQ, feedback, phase, <laughs> which I still haven't figured out. But <laughs> but that's where I got my, my start of that knowledge. And then John Craig, I mean, I haven't learned anything from him because he uses microscopes to repair things and... <laughs> and when he starts talking about what he knows, I just don't know what he's saying anymore. So I, that's okay. I, Most of the time, but we, I don't know what I'm saying either. <laughs> but we did have some good times playing music together, and yeah. and uh, that's always fun too. And I love his old band, uh, Lou Orsoni Quartet, and Swimming with Nancy, and and of course Dan Dan Dresser, multiple projects playing here, and and uh, all those good fun times. It seems like very kind of important members of of a, of a, the local uh, music scene, um, helping making it so people can be heard. I suppose. How did that kind of come about for you guys in your in in your life? Because I, I mean, I feel like audio is kind of a weird thing to get into. Well, how did it come <laughs> up for you, Eric? Because you started off, weren't you the sound? You were a sound person. You were like live sound mostly back in the day for Vixen. For Vixen, I just saw a video about <laughs> Vixen the other day, and I thought of you. You yeah. were the were you the I've sound guy stories. for Vixen? Yeah, that's. Do you know who Vixen is? No. Oh, you better look him up. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're missing out. <laughs> I didn't know they were a Minneapolis band or a Twin Cities band either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, studio and live uh, high school pal around with the bands, but I not played very good. Yeah. So, oh, sound. I can do that. So, <laughs> and all into it, you mm-hmm. know. So um, uh, 21, 22 became a f- professional sound guy. Mm-hmm. And in uh, all of it, uh, Brainiac and uh, Matt Cranston mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Off Night Music Hall because m- maybe Wendy Waldman, Bromberg, uh, Alana Rhythm Section, Danny O'Keefe, and all of these I did. And uh, uh, monitors mainly. And then uh, when uh, that closed, I moved back to Ludluth and set up uh, actor, sound guy. So in three, four years, and then I moved to Los Angeles. 
And that's where I met Vixen. But you met him in Los Angeles, even yeah. though they're from here. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, uh, one year prior, moved to Los Angeles, the Vixen is, and mm-hmm. then uh, uh, actor followed, and uh, Keith Krupp managed Vixen, and uh, four original girls, Jan Keeneman, Lori Hatton, Cynthia, uh, Cynthia, I don't remember your name and anyways so i can i can sound and uh, recording mm-hmm. and uh, uh, also recording uh, actor in uh, devonshire studios it was big time yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds like an exciting time yeah they were they were the they were the girl Metal band, or hair band. Like I mean, how would you describe it? Kind of with heart, right? Yeah, but they're an all-girl mm-hmm. band. Yeah, that had pretty good success nationally. I think. Yeah, yeah. they changed the uh, members mm-hmm. and uh, got the uh, eighty-eight, eighty-nine signed the uh, record contract for uh, EMI. So, mm-hmm. and two albums, and then. Grunge came in. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> and early nineties. Uh, yeah, and that's. <laughs> yep. Oh, it was over. That that whole hairband thing was <laughs> yeah. over. Yeah, it, I I was so happy when Nirvana came out. It was like they saved rock and roll as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm sorry, they did. I've heard so many stories of bands that were yeah hairbands. I because you you pop, were like it was done. You're like a Poison fan, or you were. Yeah. Wow, I, was, I, can, like, I never could stand that band. Yeah. And I was so happy when I was actually I thought when Guns N' Roses came out they kind of saved rock. I and loved roll too. Guns N' Roses. They were sure. kind of a saved us from the hairband. Era. <laughs> but I mean that was like when you're 13. Yeah, that's just sounded awesome. But <laughs> no, the, every rose well, has its thorn. Never sounded awesome to me. Oh yes, it did. Nothing like getting off track. Oh yeah, awesome. So awesome. You know the song. Everyone knows. Yeah, that was yeah. Yeah. Made me want an ovation. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. No, I hated it when I got one. <laughs> I actually liked my ovation. I had an ovation. I li- it was like a really nice sounding guitar. I don't know. It was durable. Yeah. Until I smashed it. <laughs> yeah, I broke mine by accident, too. <laughs> yeah. Did you, so when you were in L.A., though, you did sound at clubs, too. Yeah. Whiskey a go-go. And yeah. That, that must be, I don't know. Was it like R.T. Quinlan's in L.A. pretty much? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just Doesn't matter Just where you are. Bigger. Bigger. Small clubs, small yeah. clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Drinks are $10 more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All the clubs, uh, Manamalongs, Central, Whiskey, Roxy, uh, FM Station, Country Club, and on, on, on. I've never gone to any of them. I was at Vico would know. Vico would I know. went to Whiskey and Go Go when I was. That was pretty cool to go there. But I don't know if it's still the same. It's still there, I believe. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like at the little balcony. You can kind of look down yep. the band. It's, yep. it's a cool venue. It's not super. It's not very big either. No. no. Kind of the spot. One of the spots. Yeah. A lot of bands have been discovered there yeah. for sure. And at that time, John, you were making probably playing music compressors or playing music or well before i met eric yeah i i I started working for a gentleman who uh was a audio 
engineer, audio uh, equipment designer. So I come at all of this from the hardware side of things. But I had met Eric previously before this happened. Uh, he and I were the road crew sound guys for Lori Line for <laughs> a brief amount of time. Oh, about two years, yeah. I think, or two and a half years. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it. It was so. It was a stint. So when sure. did you? So that was Summit Audio at the time you started work with Dave Hill. That was, was Summit Song? Audio at the time. Then it yeah. changed to Crane Song. And then yeah, when Dave had a falling out with his uh, previous partner, Summit Audio moved out to the West Coast, and Dave started Crane Song mm -hmm. um, again. And you can tell the difference between the two pieces of gear because Summit Audio has the big black knobs. And the crane song has the little green knobs. <laughs> well, yeah, that, well, everybody knows. See, the this green is knobs. a technical talk I can actually understand. But, uh, uh, <laughs> Black and green. Summit Audio got uh, tubes. Yes, and, Summit Audio uh, is uh, crane song, solid state. Yes, yeah, so all solid state, discrete solid state. Mm -hmm. Mainly because the the designer was freaked out that he was going to get sued into obscurity. Um, if he did anything vacuum tubes. And I think that was a real shame because Dave's, he was a, the perfect circuit head for vacuum tube stuff. He, he made some beautiful pieces. Anyway, so that's how I got involved in all of this was from the hardware side. I had purchased a used kegerator from Jason. <laughs> I and forgot about that. Dan was the only one here when I came to pick it up, so he helped me bring it to my house. And we went down into the basement of my house, and sitting on some shelves in the basement doing nothing uh, were these pieces of audio gear. Most of them were, I call them rescue units, because they were deemed unfixable or whatever, and then some of them had actually been thrown in the trash and I retrieved them out of the trash and fixed them. And yeah, and Jason had mentioned microscopes. Um, was is he joking or is that? Oscilloscope, I mean, more, more so, right? No, it's some of the work. Actually, I fixed a, a microphone for Eric Swanson where I actually had to use a a microscope <laughs> to tease a little piece of copper wire oh out so I could solder on it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm the hardware guy. But in the basement were all those green knobs. Well, in my house. So you exchange oh, a kegerator. And so Dan goes, oh, hey, um, what are you doing with all of those? <laughs> and I'm like, well, nothing. I think, you know, maybe when I retire, they're I'll sell them. They're rusting in my basement Yeah, right they're getting, yeah. my damp basement. So Dan goes, hey, uh, if we built a studio in the basement of Beaners, which is now Wusso's, could we use those? And I'm like, yes, you can. And my caveat what to these two gentlemen was, if we do this, then I want you to open up your studio to people who may not be able to afford to actually record somewhere. They can still come here and, and get something recorded. So. Oh, that's nice, yeah. I was kind of talking to Jason about this earlier, about how community seems to be a very kind of central aspect to and supporting community uh seems to be a really central aspect to a lot of just i mean i think artists around here and so i think it's interesting to hear you like directly say that yeah literally i was i that was part of the plan i was giving them this equipment so that they could help other artists mm -hmm. make stuff which is, yeah so that's nice mm -hmm. so 
Where, where do you come into this then? No, I picked so up then, a hitchhiker. Oh, yeah, you picked up a hitchhiker. <laughs> so I'm, I was coming up to Duluth, and I had a couple friends up here, and I was doing some carpentry work with them. And at the time, I wasn't playing music, and I'd been looking at the the, the reader, and the reader <laughs> had all these open mics, you know? And uh, I saw this place on Central Avenue that had open mics on Wednesday. And uh, anyway, so I picked up this this hitchhiker way in like Wadena, Minnesota. I don't know if you know where Wadena is. It's a long ways from here. And we're driving on Highway 10 and I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna turn off on 210 to go to Duluth. Like, well, I'm going to Duluth. Like, well, that's great. I'll give you a ride to Duluth. So I gave him a ride to Duluth and he, he just wanted me to drop him off up on the hill. You know, like I can walk to my house. Like, I'll just bring you right to your house. So, you know, I said, where, where do I turn off? He goes, well, you gotta turn off in Central Avenue. So I, I turned off in Central Avenue and I drive right by this place. And it kind of like, after seeing it in the reader and like getting up the courage to play music again, I go, oh, now I have a visual of where this place is. And I swear to this day, when I drove by, Dave Manling was sitting out front smoking a cigarette. <laughs> probably. Yeah, I think he was, a, he was probably 17 smoking a cigarette. <laughs> um, and then I think a week or two later, I came to open mic and I remember I was driving here from back in Ottertail County, and I'm in McGregor, and I call, call up for open mic. I'm like, okay, you got a slot? Yeah, we got a slot like in an hour, and McGregor's about an hour mm-hmm. away. So I like drove like a maniac getting here. <laughs> so I didn't have enough time. I couldn't even think about getting nervous because I was in a hurry to get here. And then I got here, and I'm like, oh my god, I haven't, I hadn't played on stage in like five years. Oh, and I. Got up and played three songs, and the first people I met were Dave Mailing, shook my hand when I got off stage, and Jeff James. Oh, yeah. Jeffrey James <laughs> O'Loughlin, my favorite songwriter. Well, and, both those two. Yeah, and then I just started coming up here more, and pretty soon I was kind of living up here, and I was, then I actually lived upstairs for a while. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it, it all kind of fell, fell into place, and just started playing music again, and was inspired by the recording that. Eric was doing with One Week Live and everything, and I was kind of wanted to be part of a studio. And then we just, the band I was in at the time, the Brush Strokes, we had like, I don't know, $1,500 in our kitty. And we kind of threw that all at the studio selfishly so we could just do a recording, basically. Yeah. I left on tour for a month. I came back, and there's like, surprise, <laughs> there's a studio. There's a studio here. <laughs> I'm like, what? I think we told you. You gave us permission. I, I, I didn't think you. I don't know if you thought it'd be this big and elaborate. <laughs> not that big. Yeah, maybe you thought more like a closet, and you yeah. like, oh, <laughs> or you're gonna buy G5. Okay, that's fine. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but look how much space we have. We can. We, we, there's a whole folding table in here, yeah. and a I mean, whole folding yeah. table with our low ceiling. Yeah, low ceiling. Yeah. It's felty though. Yeah. Oh, Jason, you had mentioned some awards and stuff. Um, I'm not. I, I I wish I'd written down more. Well, we were talking about that upstairs. I I saw Eric's post about the winning a, a, a album that you recorded, yeah. winning a NAMI, which is a Native American Music Awards. Uh, I know about that from my friend Kisakola and Annie Humphrey yeah. and those guys. And yeah. um, so, <laughs> but it was just making me think of all the great records Eric recorded at Sacred Heart. We didn't really talk about that. Oh sure. Because yeah. when he moved back from L.A. and I don't know. If, uh, 1990. 90, okay. And I moved in 95, and you were doing live sound, and all over, did you do like the, what was the blues bar, the the Park Tavern? Yeah, uh, park Inn. Park, park Inn. Inn and, yeah. um, but then Sacred Heart 
studio started. Yeah. Uh, well. Uh, yeah. That's where I I got to do a lot of albums and mix a lot of albums with Eric and but also Eric did one of my favorite al- two of my favorite albums is Haley Bonner's Size of Planets mm-hmm. at that studio. Also the Low Trust album, mm-hmm. which is such a great album, and the first Treble by Turtles album, mm-hmm. and so many more really great local Jesse Loma mm-hmm. got to I got to play there with Sarah Softich and record rust and bent on reel to reel you know all analog <laughs> gear and it was so fun to mix with eric at sacred heart because this was before everything was computerized i mean there was a computer but had an old analog console and old Altec tube compressors and it, it was just so different to mix a record that way because you had to get the whole every song you had to mix it and get it right and then start all over on the next one and change all the knobs. So where now it's all computer. You make your changes, you go back and listen, and you're like, oh, I want more of this or that. And you can open it up, and, and it's there. Yeah, but back then, you just had to get it right, or else you just start all over again. I've done a little bit of live audio. I did one play at UMD while I was a student there, and it was horrifying, I thought. But also it was. It was all digital. So it really, there there wasn't even much I had to do. I was really kind of like playing piano with the mute buttons where I had to just quickly turn off actors and turn them on real quick. And well, it's also something that scares me about painting, about uh, film photography. She says, yeah, the, the idea that like, oh my God, if you mess it up, then you've ruined like a, like a physical thing and you're like, all right, well, that's just that. Then you're... <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah digital is much more forgiving. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, which I far You can fix it. something, then if you don't like it, you can make it back to normal and yeah. fix it again. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. I love it. <laughs> well, like with the reel to reel, like when we, you know, if if you want to overdub something or they call it punching, you'll you'll be playing along, and Eric will go punch, and then you're supposed to be awesome, and then unpunch, <laughs> yep. and you're supposed to fix your mistake, and that's so hard to do. First of all, as a musician, and to make it sound right. But you can also screw it up and accidentally record over the thing you liked by accident. Because yeah. I've done back. that. So, yeah. so you can try to fix something and make it work. It's like me trying to fix a car. It just there's extra parts and it's not right still. And mm-hmm. I gotta say though, it was the most enjoyable time getting to mix with, with you at, at Sacred Heart. It was it's such a beautiful space to be in. And I don't know if it sounded better or if it just the extra work made it seem like it sounded better but i don't know but are you still using that same big board or do you have a new board have you updated that yet oh uh 48 channel uh minus uh, oh heritage is that like the top of the line Mm -hmm. oh wow uh, basically yeah (laughs) it's way above the venice oh yeah uh soundcrafts yes Mm -hmm. oh it's a soundcraft no it's a midas yeah well, first, uh, when they got this studio, uh, sound works, and then I got the Soundcraft 500, and then 16 channel um, Toft, yeah, and then I got the Midas from uh, Sound Central. Oh, okay. that's where I got my Midas from. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why they're dumping their Midas boards. They're no, heavy but, and big. Yeah, well, because <laughs> they're all walking around with iPads. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the uh, uh, four hundred pounds, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And but uh, lend it to the studio permanently. 
So the preamps, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What does it, does it have knee, knee, what? knee preamps or what's, what's the preamps? No. no? Uh, Midas. The Midas yeah, preamps. But they're so, good. There's something oh, yeah. about really well-made analog preamps that are yeah. just, it's like having big glass on the front of a huge digital camera, you know, instead of the tiny little phone camera or something. Yeah. You can get so much more nuance of the sound. Mm -hmm. and, do you feel like there's some something lost in general from the overall shift to digital? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But for most people, no. I think just the amount of distractions that are going on and people are listening to music, they're really not listening. You know, it's nice background, but a lot of times they're really not listening like you would in a studio where you really can tell the difference between moving a microphone, you know, an inch and a half closer or further away from something, that type of environment and what you're able to do. And for me, analog circuits will showcase those changes better than digital will. Yeah, just prox mic proximity. Yeah, because when you sync closer to the mic, it yeah. changes your voice. and Changes or even phase shifting mm -hmm. that's happening. Um, yeah. And I'm an analog guy, so I, I have to say that disclaimer: I am an well, analog guy. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I just think it's scary, personally. <laughs> well, uh, I'm analog uh, on the way in. But digital in the, in the manipulation. Yeah. yeah, it's in the noise. You don't have any tape hiss in digital. Yeah, I mean that was my battle when I started recording in my little four track recorder, like, shh. Yep. Oh. Yep. You know, and that's like digital. You just don't have that. That's what I like. Hey, come about on, digital. I can't even hear that now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can, John. It's, yeah. yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's why you're an analog. Guy. <laughs> yeah, it all sounds wonderful. What tape nice and warm. <laughs> I'm putting my next album out on cassette. <laughs> what is something like? Uh, what is the favorite thing of yours that you worked on? Do you think? Whether that be building something or. Mixing something or recording something. I probably had the most fun recording the Brushstrokes album. Yeah. Because we spent probably six or seven hundred dollars down here, and then we went and mixed and mastered it with Eric. Yeah. And we just like Dave and I and Jeremy the drummer. We had many late nights here, banging on the pipes and. Yeah. We were yeah. There's a lot of extra sounds on that album. <laughs> so if you don't know the Brushstrokes, uh, Stephanie Longstreet, Dan Dresser, George Ellsworth, Dave Mailing. Chris Eddy, and uh, who am I forgetting? But anyway, like this all-star band of like some of the best songwriters, and it was a, such a cool moment in time, the brush jokes here at the cafe and that record coming out. and We practiced here every Sunday after close. I can't believe you let us do that, but you did. <laughs> I can't believe everyone's alive. Nothing ever happened either. <laughs> we were all pretty good. I think we got locked out a couple times, but... <laughs> When Chris oh. would leave, because he was the only one with the key back then. <laughs> I yeah. like the Dan Dresser album. Yeah? The yeah. Three Song Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Three Song Sunday. That's a highlight for me. Well, thanks. Yeah, you were pretty involved in that one, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mix it. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, you recorded it, but I mixed it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, pay me in beer. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember coming and mixing at Sacred Heart, and 
I'd always bring like a six pack or uh, yeah. usually try not to bring more than a six pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Eric would always go, I said, what kind of beer you want me to bring? Just bring a session beer. So what was one of the beers? It was uh red. What's the, what's the Jamaican beer? Red Stripe. Red Stripe. Red Stripe. It was, was yeah. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the one that had the, if you're, turned off the cap and on the inside it was like rock paper scissors or yeah i think so yeah coors does that too i think they do some weird stuff like that's that that's fun yeah but it's like jokes and popsicle sticks <laughs> <laughs> laffy tabbies yeah yeah how about you john probably playing with lou i was going to say musically yeah i think playing with lou arsoni there were moments because he was such a good song smith a good wordsmith he could get an audience totally enthralled when when we weren't drinking too much, mm -hmm. when we were actually really playing. And there are moments, you know, you could actually feel all of that. And that was very much one of my highlights. So if yeah. you can find a copy of Women Drinking Beer by Lou or Sony, it's actually, yeah, I, I, I'm. I should actually just bring them because I've so many people have said, can I get a copy of this? Can I get a copy of that? I have digital copies of all that stuff. I should just bring them here to Beaners, and if anybody just asked, you can get one for free. <laughs> Put it on like online somewhere. Just what I could is it, Garage Band or something. Oh, yeah. One of because one of the things that happened when Lou died in the New Year's Day two thousand one. I know. I was able to get a hold of all of the physical recording medium that he had, which was CDs and cassette tapes and reel-to-reels at Dave's studio. And I put together a collection of everything I could get my hands on. And I held on to that. That was later, how can I put this delicately? Would I'd, It was requested that I give up ownership of that um, after Lou had been gone for seven years. But anyway, so I have this, and then I've just made a bunches of copies, and then I've just been sitting on them. I haven't really done anything with them, so shame on me for that one. Well, maybe now's the time that you're thinking about it. <laughs> now, yeah, now people are going to be banging on my door. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Where's that CD? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be asking, do you have any CD players? <laughs> yeah. That's, well, there's that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have a car that's a few years old you still got yeah. one yeah it's gotta be old enough though. my car this even my new car still has a tape deck oh you have a, a tape, tape deck, deck even my last four new cars have still had tape decks <laughs> shows how new your cars are. <laughs> of course <laughs> jason's last four cars none of them have been younger than 25 years old <laughs> this is the newest oldest <laughs> Or the oldest, newest, 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 newest. <laughs> are, are they from from this century? This century, this oh, yeah. one is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. What is that? Two thousand six? I don't know. Uh, that had to it's be the last year cassettes. They were... I mean, yeah, it's, it's been a minute. It's got two hundred fifty thousand miles. Yeah. <laughs> but does a cassette player work? <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah, it does. My pickup truck has yeah. a cassette player, and Dave Mailing, getting back to Dave Mailing, he I have put Dave out an Mailing, album, Beach Boy, in a my... really good album, and he put it out on cassette, and I was so pissed off. Like, what are you doing? You're he's just trying to be hip. It's in my plow truck, and it's got <laughs> some really good songs on it. It's only on cassette. Have you? Do you have that, Beach no. Boy? Oh my God, there's two, three, just. Well, you, you they, can stream it though. Probably, is. yeah. It's, but it, it's, it's got really some really good, good stuff on it. It's, but it's only on cassette. Yeah. <laughs> so the only time I told Dave, the only time I ever listened to it was in my truck, you know, sitting out in my yard drinking beer, my old, my old Dodge truck, you know, listening to your 
Beach Boy. It's probably still in the cassette player, actually. Oh, that's really good for the tape and the heads. Yeah, he's probably got another, another I one. know. I I don't take care of my tapes. Because it probably was like halfway through a song when you turn the truck off and it just... Oh, yeah, it just sticks there. there. <laughs> <laughs> and then you start it up and it's cold. It's like... <laughs> you wonder why it has that weird spot in the middle of the song. Yeah. 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 I think he... I, I did request a digital copy of it. I think he could get a digital copy of that. But uh, Is that fad over with? Are people still doing cassettes? I mean... I I'm, think it's growing. Oh, God. <laughs> and hair bands are growing coming back. Is it growing or groaning? <laughs> one of those two. I wanted to, John to mention something different than sound. This story that you were the cook on this canoe adventure, that was the wildest oh. thing. Okay, you have to tell me that again. I'm not. I'm not really following. By the way, folks, I'm totally deaf on one side, and as my <laughs> wife would say, half deaf on the other side. When you that Voyager canoe thing, where you you were the cook. Oh, I just I, just to, these guys. I I don't know if Eric likes to cook, but I know Dan likes to cook. And when I had a broken foot, he cooked me one of the best meals at his house back in Otter Tail. And and John likes to garden and cook and. Okay, my, my wife works for the U.S. Forest Service. When the United States and Canada both had a centennial celebration of the Boundary Waters and the U.S. Um, the, the Park Service, they cooked up this idea where they would get a crew of nine individuals. There would be like four from the U.S. and five from Canada, and as the we traveled, that number would switch back and forth. I went on as the cook. So I went, it was a 350 miles and it took us 14 days. I cooked breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a nine person crew in this big Voyager canoe. So there were nine of us in there. You would be sitting side by side and paddling. And you cooked in the canoe? No, oh. I cooked oh. at the campsite. <laughs> oh, that would have been something. Oh, wow. That would have been great, yeah. A little hibachi off the side. We're having surf and turf today. It'd be beef jerky and a uh, bass that somebody grabbed on their way out of camp. Yeah. That would have been incredible. But you were canoeing in the big, the big lake, right? Yeah, we would. Oh. We actually did go out on Lake Superior for two of the th of the fourteen days, uh -huh. and that's when I learned that that big decorative front end of those canoes that comes way up and curls, that's not decoration. That actually serves a function. Oh, because we were, got into swells that were you down in the swell, you couldn't see anything else, so the swells were at least four or six feet, whatever. The front of the canoe would. We'd ride down one swell and we'd hit this wall of water, which is the next swell coming at us. And because of that front of the canoe was, was curved and sticking up so high, the front of the canoe would just pop up mm -hmm. and uh -huh. go on top. And I thought, yeah, if that had been like a regular canoe, we just would have torpedoed right in there. <laughs> <laughs> and we were probably about a mile away from the shore at that point, mainly because the, the wind was coming up and... If we got any closer to shore, the people who knew what they were doing said, we got to stay out here because the swells are less violent here. And the guy, one guy goes, no, we should get closer to shore. And our leader said, look over there and tell me what are those waves doing? And of course the waves are hitting the rocks and going way up in the air. And he was like, 
oh, maybe we should stay out here. <laughs> so yeah, it was, that was fun. I thought you were gonna ask him about, like the first few years we were doing this, John would brew beer. Oh, we were gonna talk oh, about oh, that. Oh, I did have that. Especially for ginger, ginger ale Ginger pale ale. I, I did a, actually it was a ginger amber. Well, you brewed mm. three kegs for my wedding and it was delicious. And, and what happened was we were, I would brew beer and bring it here because well, the first year yeah. I helped out, oh, no. no one brought any beer. And then afterwards, Jason was like, God, you know, you guys drank like $1,200 worth of beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. So the next year I show up with kegs of beer. We we put the kegs in, you know, ice buckets outside the door. Of the studio. And oh. what happened was the party moved from upstairs down here and then jason was like you know i want people to be upstairs not downstairs because <laughs> there's like a keg of beer yeah, there's the more band. people downstairs than watching the show yeah i remember that now so we have we have weaned ourselves off from the uh the free beer for everybody to just some six packs for the operators <laughs> but those are fun times i mean there were some really interesting moments i thought nothing ever got too out of hand and uh I thought of some interesting conversation around the keg out there. And... It was a total blast. Yeah. Was... I mean, we were recording music and didn't screw it up too bad. And... <laughs> didn't screw it up. It was usually bands would come down. They just want to see what was going no, it was, on. It was really it, fun. The bands and their girlfriends and the girlfriend's fathers a lot of times <laughs> would come down. The girlfriend's fathers. Interesting. Well, I'm making that part <laughs> up. <laughs> oh, man. I guess there's too many other stories. Well, oh yeah, I mean, God, I'm sure this could go on. So you guys have years of stories, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure. Um, but we only have so much time, and I have to still edit this at some point. So, um, <laughs> no, it's been, uh, it's been, it, been a blast. It, yeah, it's been really nice meeting you guys. Um, and I hope it's been nice for you guys to all reunite for, for an hour or whatever it's been. Yeah, I have no idea. We get along pretty good, I guess. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah. And you should thank your lucky stars that you don't have a reel to reel where you actually have to cut out the dead spaces by removing I, tape. I think about that every yeah. <laughs> well, when I even when I see the little digital scissors, I think ah. Oh, they used real. to do it that yeah. way. That's the scissors. That <laughs> yeah. was actually tape. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny that they do that. They put yeah. the little digital scissors. Oh yeah, they on use the screen. all the same physical terminology. Oh yeah, right? definitely. Just... Splicing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except it's much easier to splice a. An audio file and oh, yeah. fade it I nice would... and make it nice and perfect now. So a system crash back then would be someone falls into the reel to reel while you're tracking and it's <laughs> and it stretches a tape <laughs> and yep. now you now do we cut out that and there's a a blip missing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, as far as I'm concerned too, it's all magic. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I can. I feel like I sort of understand how some of this works works digitally, but how do you do a crossfade physically? I, don't I understand, but like, what is what is it doing? You slide the levers and yeah, or the faders. The faders so that's are, what those are. They're, they're faders. So but how does that? Work? Well, you. But then I, I'm not gonna understand even if anyone explains it to me. <laughs> so <laughs> don't bother. So don't bother. <laughs> it's magic. It's magic. It's magic. Like the one like least sound person has to be in a podcast yeah. with all the sound people. Yeah, and it's going to go, oh, wow. Well, I think digital is magic. Like, John's tried to explain digital to me before, and I, it, to me it's just magic. It's like I can kind of see how it works, but it doesn't It doesn't seem possible. I can't understand it. You know, oh, I can understand analog tape, possible. how it works, but the digital 
part of it, it seems like, oh, it's just bits of inf information. Somehow that becomes someone's voice, you know? You're just taking tens of thousands of snapshots of sound mm -hmm. every second. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. So each one is just a, it's a re- It's like a, basically like a snapshot, exactly, yep. yeah. Well, it's no different than, than a film, moving pictures. Mm -hmm. Every frame on a moving picture is just a still, mm -hmm. but you have enough of them together and it looks like people are moving around and- So it is magic. It's movie <laughs> magic. Isn't it? Let's all go home and make a flip book. Oh, <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah. You, you can get that. You're I, a cartoonist. That, yeah, that one I can do. Anytime you talk about <laughs> images, I'm like, oh, yeah. See, that, now, that son, now you understand yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. That's, yeah. that's it. Okay, okay, go 50 more minutes. But then how do they how do they play sound with the, with a film movie? I don't know. They had... Depends. Years ago, it used to be they would actually have a light pattern. You'd have the, the, the frames of the film, mm -hmm. and next to it would be, it would look like this little, well, it'd be, it like, would like, look like, like a, those waveforms on yeah. there, but they were light, and it would just read it through an optical reader and turn it into sound. <laughs> That's magic to me, too. Yeah, this all is magic to me. <laughs> you, yeah, I feel like it makes less sense now. How does, <laughs> Sorry. It I, turns from light to sound? I have to I have to apologize. I am the hardware guy. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'll fade out at some point. <laughs> That's easy. All right. Too fun.